0: Hi everybody, welcome to the Underswell Podcast, the show where we discuss sustainability topics, things that are happening in the news, with brands, and just on cue, on the web. My name is Derek Sabori, I'm your host, that is an article on Forbes magazine that is playing in the background, maybe you hear it, maybe you don't, I sure do, because this show is one where I sit at my desk um, and look at the sustainability news. I've been in the sustainability career space for uh, many years now and I felt like there's many news, um, stories that are making it to my desk that may not be making it to yours. And you may just not have time for it. You may be a professional in another space and um, sustainability might be something that matters to you but you're feeling like it's hard to get your head around it. So my job here is to bring you the news explain it try to break it down and highlight some of the great work that brands are doing and bring those stories to your mobile device get them into your ears wherever you are listening so today's topic California's cap-and-trade program so some announcements came out this week Um, it seems that um, AB 398 Passed through the California legislature with more than the required two-thirds supermajority margin, and Governor Jerry Brown signed the bill into law on July twenty fifth, 2017. So one disclaimer that I make is I am not a know-it-all when it comes to all things related to sustainability. So a lot of our journey together here on this show is to bring up these topics, dive in, learn about them together, and uh, I'm going to share some stories with you today that you may have may or may not have heard out on the, on the newswire. And let's dive in and see if we can figure out what is going on with AB398. Um, some opinions and see if we can break down the um, the cap and trade philosophy. I'm going to use a couple sites here. I'm going to use Vox, Vox.com. I'm going to use um, Investopedia and there's a Washington Post article and an article on Forbes so let's dive in let's look at cap-and-trade and and let's start with the definition as noted on investopedia.com it says cap-and-trade or emissions trading is a common term for a government regulatory program designed to limit or cap the total level of specific chemical byproducts resulting from private business activity Cap-and-trade's purpose is to create a market price for emissions or pollutants that did not previously exist and address possible negative externalities. All right. So what the heck does that mean, right? Um, Breaking down cap-and-trade, says cap-and-trade is often held out as a more palatable alternative to the carbon tax proposal. In either case, the goal is to offset any negative environmental damages that are not represented as costs in the production process um its in the in the production process period how cap-and-trade works there are different versions of emissions trading programs around the world the program proposed by President Barack Obama and the Environmental Protection Agency or the EPA in 2009 relies on the government to set a total limit on annual emissions of greenhouse gases this is the cap the cap is designed to shrink each year after the cap has been determined allowances for portions of the total limit are allocated such allocations or permits are either handed out to businesses that have relationships with the federal government or else auctioned off to the highest bidder companies are taxed if they produce a higher level of total emissions than their permits allow but they can also sell off any unused allowances to other producers this is the trade it says the market system the cap and trade system is sometimes described as a market system this is because it ostensibly creates an exchange value for emissions and uses many of the same methodologies as neoclassical economics. For example, produced emissions may represent a market failure in the perfect competition model, leaving room for a government-based solution. The perfect competition model says markets are only efficient when firms internalize all their production costs. If costs are imposed on third parties, rather than being borne by the business, it creates a negative externality. This leads to an overproduction of pollutants relative to the theoretical social optimal level. To help incorporate the external costs for producing emissions or pollution, the cap-and-trade program creates a higher cost of production. By extension, it is relatively more expensive to produce those emissions compared to other production processes. In theory, this also imposes costs on those who create emissions rather than on taxpayers or other third parties. So to me here, I'll insert um, some commentary. This is important because this is one of the things that in business many of us are trying to do when we're focused on sustainability, and it is just that very notion, and you'll hear the term, internalize those external costs. So there are externalities or these costs that are not always um, bore by the company, and They are costs um, that are burdened onto society, whether it is using water, polluting water, creating air pollution, um, causing emissions, land use, um, you name it. You know, these are all things that you can't necessarily put a price on. So this idea, but those are costs that occur. They occur out in the environment. The planet takes the toll. And eventually us as society takes a toll in different parts of the world and this idea of accounting for those external costs that are not necessarily part of your raw materials or your manufacturing process is something that is super important and getting a lot of recognition and obviously is something that is rolled up into this cap-and-trade concept so the challenges Investopedia says this proposal runs into many of the problems inherent in the perfect competition model. Most notably, it is not all clear that government will impose the correct cap on the producers of emissions. Imposing an incorrect cap, whether too high or too low, will inevitably lead to either an over or under production of the social optimal amount of pollution or emissions. Whether emissions are taxed or imposed to a shrinking cap, economists and policymakers must come up with the appropriate discount rate to apply to the forecasted benefits and costs. In other words, any cap and trade scheme requires a correct estimation of future deadweight loss. This is extremely challenging, if not impossible. Herein lies the political debate that probably goes on with this. So, But of course, as you've heard in some of the other shows, it's so important that we get a handle on emissions, whether it's CO2, methane, or some of the other gases that are contributing to climate change, Global warming and just detrimental impacts on the environment and our planet as our planet starts to become ill and sick and feverish. The oceans warm, and as the oceans warm, we have um, problems with the complete ecosystem that runs the planet so when our oceans become unhealthy we start to see die off of coral and you've, you've heard from the other episode where we covered chasing coral the movie you can visually now see the impacts that our actions are having on the oceans when those coral reefs die um, and they're dying at a fast pace small microorganisms start to die which means the bigger fish start to die etc etc extinction let's not get too, uh, too dark but let's talk about cap and trade but understanding that curbing emissions and having businesses and people in society take account for the impacts they have is super important so this um, Washington Post article says California's cap-and-trade program could offer other states guidance um, it says that this month California's leaders this is an article um, it just says by the editorial board it was on July 29th 2017 This month, they expanded the nation's most significant operating climate policy, the state's groundbreaking greenhouse gas cap and trade program. The state could have departed from its market-based climate plan in favor of much worse ideas. Instead, Governor Jerry Brown and two-thirds of the legislature with the support of several Republicans crafted a grand compromise to tighten it up. In In so doing, they have ensured the policy will be at the center of the state's effort to slash planet warming emissions by 40% from 1990 levels by 2030. This, is, this achievement will not be immediately replicable many other places in the country, but it could provide guidance when more states come around to dealing with climate change. The biggest lesson is that greenhouse gas policies do not have to be dictated by left-wing activists, says this article, who want to curb market forces. Emissions can be cut with proper sensitivity to the economic consequences, and that becomes much easier when industry and Republicans, it says, accept that emissions must go down. So my job here is not to take a political stance necessarily on the topic, just sort of get to, do, um, get, uh, to use some of the things that are in the news and some of the commentary that is there. Let's see. Um, I'm going to jump over to this Forbes article that says, California's cap and trade compromise is a big step forward not a win for polluters. And this is uh, written by Chris Bush. He is the director of research at Energy Innovation, where he leads the urban sustainability and California climate programs. This is on Forbes.com. says this update, California's Governor Jerry Brown, Assembly Speaker Anthony Rendon, and Senate President Pro Tempore Kevin DeLeon have reached agreement on legislation to extend the state's cap-and-trade program to 2030. A vote is expected soon in the California Senate to be shortly followed by the Assembly. This agreement would not only extend the world's strongest cap-and-trade program beyond 2020, it would generate billions in new investment to reduce emissions while requiring stricter use of carbon offsets under the system. It says that Energy Innovations Analysis finds that adopting this legislation should ensure that all carbon allowances auctions between now and 2020 fully sell out of available allowances, generating at least $1.3 billion in additional revenue for the state's Greenhouse Gas Reduction Fund, called the GGRF, which invests revenue in clean energy and other emission-reducing projects. Some, but not all, of these funds will counterbalance two other aspects of the bill, extending a manufacturing tax credit and waiving a forest fire fighting fee. After 2020, auction revenue truly takes off, and energy, energy Innovation Forecasts AB 398 will generate over $26 billion in new revenue for the GGRF, that Greenhouse Gas Reduction Fund, through 2030. So um, it sounds like California is doing some leadership. It says it's the most, this article goes on to say that it's the most successful program of its kind in the world. As such, the legislation deserves support as the best chance to resolve uncertainty that has bedeviled the carbon market and maintains California's position as a global leader on climate action. It says that the agreement is composed of two linked bills, which are AB 398 and AB 617. The former, which is AB 398, extends the cap-and-trade program from 2021 to 2030, and then the latter, which is AB 617, strengthens California's local air quality program by by increasing community-level monitoring and requiring emission investments in communities burdened by high levels high levels of local air pollutants. And really interesting here, I was working with a company who actually um, we had a map where there were some grants that were issued for some clean energy innovations. Um, and there was a map that we could use to go and look at which areas of the counties were most impacted by air pollution. Really interesting too to kind of dive deep and as you sort of went inland deep into the, the cities, you could see some of these sort of red zones where they were there were more incentives to do these clean energy projects. So um, I can understand why there are a focus on these communities that are burdened by high levels. Um, AB 398, it says would stabilize auction sales by providing the legal and policy certainty market participants need. Uncertainty about the post-2020 period has contributed to market instability, including several weak auction results since 2015. Um, Let's dive in from here to see, so that's kind of what's going on in the news, but if we look at Vox, uh, V-O-X dot com, which is a great explain the news sort of site. This one says California is about to revolutionize climate policy again. So it says that the state's cap and trade program would be replaced by a new sleeker one. And this one was in May 3rd, 2017. So this is going backwards a little bit, but I think this will help explain more on what this cap and trade system is and um, how it works. Says that California's ambition, let's see real quickly too, this Vox article was, it says last updated by David Roberts. You can find him at drvox and david at vox.com. California's ambition on climate change policy has become become dizzying to track. A few months ago, the leader of the Senate introduced a bill that would commit the state to 100% renewable energy. And that's not even the biggest California climate policy story of 2017. The biggest story broke yesterday. It said this was in May, though it didn't make much of a splash and would likely sneak under the public's radar. Unlike 100% clean energy, which is very sexy, cap and trade is not. It says, but cap and trade is the focus of a crucially important new bill um, that I think we just kind of talked about. That was re- that was um, released by State Senator Bob Wykowski, a Democrat, and Senate Pre- Senate President Pro Tempore Kevin De Leon, another Democrat in Los Angeles. The changes that SB 775 proposes for the state's carbon trading program are dramatic. He says, and to my eyes, amazingly thoughtful. Those are the words of Mr. Roberts. Um, I know some environmental groups have reservations, but in my opinion, if it passes in anything close to its current form, it will represent the most important advance in carbon pricing policy in the U.S. in a decade. So he says, um, let's see, why California has to fix its cap-and-trade system. California recently put in place some of the most ambitious carbon targets of any jurisdiction in the world already aiming to return to 1990 levels of carbon dioxide emissions by 2020. And last year, the state passed into law SB 32, which would mandate an additional 40% reductions by 2030. To hit that target, the state will need to amp up its entire suite of climate policies. Most notably, it will have to do something about its weak, flawed, and beleaguered carbon cap-and-trade program. Back in 2006, under Republican Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger, California passed AB 32, its groundbreaking groundbreaking climate law, which put in place the 1990 levels by 2020 target. The law put the California Air Resources Board in charge of achieving the goal, giving it incredible power and autonomy to partner with other state agencies and develop the necessary tools. He writes that since then, CARB, which is California Air Resources Board, has implemented or overseen a wide array of policies meant to reduce the state emissions somewhat contrary to conventional wisdom the price on carbon the cap and trade system is only a small part of that array initially expected to account for about a quarter of the state's reductions the other 3 quarters would come from states low carbon fuel standard efficiency standards renewable energy portfolio standard and various and sundry other regulations interesting But that is interesting to know that the carbon or the cap-and-trade system is just a small part of what the plan is to reduce the state's emissions. It says that regulations, not carbon pricing, have been the main driver of California's carbon reductions to date. In fact, they have been so effective and carbon reductions so much cheaper than expected that there hasn't been much work left for the cap-and-trade program to do. Near-term emission goals are being reached without its help. For this and any other reason, carbon allowances in the system have been dirt cheap. Since 2014, they've been sitting on the price floor of around $12 a ton. And tons are how we measure CO2, um, usually as, as emissions. So they're rated as, CO, as uh, metric tons. Suffice to say, a price that low doesn't do much to drive emission reductions. What's more, a price that low doesn't produce much revenue and programs that depend on revenue from allowance sales have been starving lately. This led critics to dismiss the program as a failure, and it also faces serious charges that leakage, quote-unquote, emissions simply moving over the border to a different state to escape the price on carbon is poorly regulated and badly weakening the program. He goes on to say that to make matters worse, the program recently came under new legal scrutiny regarding whether allowance auctions, which raise debt revenue, violate the state's Prop 13, which requires two-thirds vote in in the legislature, in the legislature to raise taxes. Let's see. Um, so it says this is a long tangled story. He's got another article that links to it, but the net result is that California now badly needs a legally sound, politically stable post 2020 extension of its cap and trade program. And it sounds like that just got, got voted in. Um, Let's see. He says that um, this goal, this 2020 cap and trade program, has to accomplish all of the following that needs to increase the predictability and stability of carbon prices, increase the level of carbon prices to achieve the state's ambitious carbon targets, generate more revenue to fund dependent programs, solve the leakage program, keep existing constituencies happy while garnering enough support from less liberal legislatures to passed the bill to the legislature with a two-thirds vote insulating the program from legal exchange, legal challenge, I'm sorry. Um, let's see, he says uh, easy, right? But this, this is California where all things are possible and this brings us to SB 775. The elegant new cap and trade system proposed in the California Senate. And so SB 775 is, let's see, is that the one that was, uh, nope. I'm running out of uh, explanations here, but let's see. Let's look at what SB 775 is. The system proposed in the new bill reflects the fact that policymakers expect cap-and-trade to take over as the primary instrument of carbon reductions in the state. It's easy to achieve low-hanging emissions in 2020. So again, we're talking about SB 775. It has allowances and offsets from the old program that would not transfer. New allowances would be issued in 2020, and trading trading would begin anew. Um, it includes a price collar. All allowances in the system will be auctioned. Prices prices for allowances will be contained by a price collar that establishes both a floor and a ceiling. Um, he says that this creates a hybrid of the two the two prices, and it becomes um, it provides some price certainty while also offering enough flexibility to allow prices to vary with emissions so I mean this is basically a marketplace he says that prices start low and rise predictably in perpetuity he says it has a border adjustment tax um, to help prevent this leakage if cost if it costs more to operate in California why shouldn't a plant or factory simply move to an adjacent state and ship its products back to California that way can undercut it undercut in-state competitors well, it says to prevent that, the system would implement a border adjustment tax levied on imports according to their carbon intensity. In effect, this amounts to levying a carbon tax on imports. That way, everyone competes with the state on a levying on a level playing field. Um, interesting. He says that it um, it also includes zero offsets. <clears throat> Excuse me. One of the most controversial features of most cap and trade programs is the inclusion of carbon offsets, which amount to complying with a carbon cap by paying someone else to reduce carbon so an offset works like this if you are a business or you run an event that uh, and you calculate all of your emissions based on your travel your accommodations what you eat what you buy what you use what you produce and you come up with a number you can um, you didn't necessarily do anything to reduce those emissions but you can go into the market and you can buy sort of a carbon positive, um, or support a carbon positive initiative. Maybe it's something where um, it's a renewable energy project, or it is keeping, you know, um, a rainforest area intact, and that has a carbon positive benefit. And so you start to you can start to chip away at those emissions that you created, and that's that concept of an offset. But on the upside, he says, this allows the system to achieve emission reductions, even in sectors that aren't covered by the carbon cap. On the downside, it introduces lots of opportunities for shenanigans. So I agree, kind of the, the common rule is, or the accepted best practice is, that you do everything you can to reduce your emissions. Once you've reached that point where you sort of feel like, hey, this is, this is as far as we can go, that's where your offsets would kick in to offset what's, what's left He says, I am of the unpopular opinion that offsets, especially in the case of California's current system, get a worse rap than they deserve. Happily, there's no need to rehash those old arguments because the proposed system includes no offsets at all. Uh, More on this, it says, most of the revenue will go to per capita dividends. Um, I'm not sure if I want to dive into that right now. And California is going to leave other states behind, he says. California's trading system is currently linked with Quebec's, and there's been talk of other West Coast states joining as well. So he says it's been a long road to passage, but this proposal is state of the art. So I live here in California. I'm happy to be a part of a progressive state. That's a little bit of insight into the cap and trade program. We could probably go in much deeper. My goal here, though, is to keep these podcasts um, somewhat short so that you don't get overwhelmed so you've got an introduction to it but do a little googling have a look at what's going on in the news just recently here at the end of July 2017 California's leaders expanding the nation's climate policy and um, signing a climate signing climate bills so Have a look, stay tuned, stay informed, check out the other episodes. I do a daily show, that's not truly daily, but it's meant to act as a daily show where we just kind of pick out cool things that other brands are doing in different industries, different spaces, so that you as a average consumer and person operating in the economy, or a manager, or or an executive, or whatever role you play in society, can sort of um, feel like you are up to speed on what uh, what's going on with sustainability. So keep up with your uh, with your journey. Be well, have a great day. It's Friday, have a great weekend, no matter what day you're listening to this and check back soon.